has this podcast come to that I'm just listening to the tone of voice of somebody backwards and I'm like, who is that? What language are they speaking? Who, how can I tell what film this is from gobbledygook? That's how I felt watching Jack and Jill. <laughs> That's the answer, Shelley. Quickly, type it in. No, that isn't, the, that isn't the answer. Hello and welcome to Well Good Movies, the podcast that gives you the topics worth discussing and the movies worth watching. I'm your host, David Osger, and this is part two of our Adam Sandler discussion. If you haven't checked out part one, please do. Today we are talking about the later half of his career, more specifically after 2005. Uh, In part one, we talked about between 1989 and 2005. So today we are carrying on by talking about more specific films from his more recent years. Some of them a bit harder to get through, as you'll find out later in the episode, I'm sure. Uh, so joining me once again is my usual co-host, Craig McDonald. Yesterday, he was the guru. I feel after his experiences for this episode, he might be more a Lord of the Sith after channeling his dark side and and uh, me and Shelley had a nice picture of him like, under a towel, which he was looking quite, uh, quite Palpatine-esque <laughs> as well. How are you, Craig? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Straight training his dark side. Mm. Uh, so, yes, and we are also joined once again by Shelley Taylor, the, the orchestrator of this madness, <laughs> the one who brought us this madcap idea. How are you, Shelley? I wiped my own ass. <laughs> good. I'm good. Uh, <laughs> I'm scared. Oh, I'm Craig, I think. Good. <laughs> <laughs> uh oh. He set the end game, David. I'm terrified. Yeah, what, what has he got in store? This is scary. I don't know. Let's uh, talk about the films for as long as possible. So <laughs> <to> the end game. <laughs> oh. I won't save you in the editing. <laughs> God. So for everyone at home, uh, it's only been like a day since we recorded part one, but uh, you guys feeling any different? Does it just feel like the same day? Has the experience of going through his later career changed you in any way? Is, does the day outside feel now different? Do we feel like a different year, a different month? It's, it's definitely different. I don't know. I, uh, you know, it hasn't changed me as a person. <laughs> uh, I can't vouch for for everyone else though. I don't know. What about you? Yeah, I, yeah. It just feels like continuing the the same same narrative, the same loop, if you will. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think in my brain, I was like, How dare like, you <laughs> carrying on as if nothing has changed? Like what the hell? I just mean if I was to carry on watching Sandler films, if it was like in lockdown, you were punished to only watch Adam Sandler, I would start to question my sanity. I think. Mm. I think I, g- I gave you the most uh, Sandler-esque Sandler film, if that makes sense, of the second half of his career. And I just wanted to punish myself by watching <laughs> the sequel to that film. Yes. So I think because of everything we'll be going through today, it is important uh, to go through some highlights that we've recently experienced. So as this is Well Good Movies Lockdown, 
previously we were sort of bringing up videos and memes and anything we had seen that had sort of brought us a bit of happiness, brought some highlight to our weeks. And, uh, you know, it was especially relevant during this tricky time. So, uh, Shelley, you know, what, what was it you, you immediately thought of when I said about a, a recent highlight for yourself? Um, so I've been uh, binging a lot of things on Netflix uh, and I was surprised to see in my uh, suggestions uh, RuPaul's Celebrity Drag Race. So it's exactly the same format, just a one episode between three celebrities. Um, many of them I hadn't kind of heard of, but it's fun to see people who have just never done drag before thrown in at the deep end. Uh, yeah, so just I love uh, Drag Race, the normal edition so this has just been a bit of light relief and that's four episodes of that up on uh, on netflix if anyone fancies watching it so yeah that's probably my highlight of the the week and yeah we were just discussing before we started as well our uh, previous guests who joined you last time shelley's also you know doing a lot of uh, great drag shows and comedy check out lucy fur as well as usual she's doing some fantastic stuff the, the Baba Yoska stuff, the like witch she does. It's brilliant. It's, it's great. For myself, I, you know, I need to bring up this video, which I, I shared with a few people a few weeks ago. It's my favorite video of the year where this guy is talking about, you know, oh, I, I bought this 2020 planner, which is now completely useless. And throws it away. <laughs> uh, if you haven't seen it, do check it out. It's just a small, simple video, but it just brought me so much joy because it is just everyone's life right now yeah. <laughs> 2020 in a nutshell <laughs> exactly yeah i noticed you didn't ask craig if he had a highlight <laughs> that's true yeah i think dave is doing everything he can to avoid me at the moment <laughs> <laughs> well actually it's me really who should be avoiding you hey he he told me this is the idea that we were pursuing as far as I'm concerned, you're both to blame. It is a unique situation. I was thinking about this again after recording yesterday because we've talked you know, in the past about Steven Spielberg. You know, there's like Joker, you know, these big film characters or directors. And, you know, Adam Sander is one of those who has been consistently always there. You know, whether the quality is as good, but he has made loads of films. When you were reading them off yesterday, Shelley, I was like, how did he make, you know, Big Daddy then immediately the next year have another one and another one, you know, year yeah. after year? And it's, yeah, the second half of his career is no different. It just seems that he, well, we'll, we'll dive into it a bit more, but he writes a lot less now, but is still keeping up, like, constant projects. He's not he's not slowing down. <laughs> no, and, and he's definitely one which... He's like a voice for a lot of people. So a lot of times they'll just say, you know, an article will be like, oh, here's what Adam Sandler thought about this because he obviously appeals to a large part of the audience, you know, in America and around the world. And I think, you know, when we're talking about these other films, that's why they do have their success because, you know, a lot of the comedy does gear very much towards a certain audience. Mm -hmm. But um, something I sort of snapshotted uh, a few days ago because I saw it and I was like, oh, this is relevant because we're going to be talking about it in a few days. So I remembered it today was how I recently got interviewed uh, talking about funny films he saw recently. And he was talking about the last film he saw in the cinema was, was Sonic. And I'm not sure if you guys saw about this when he was talking about Jim Carrey. No, I hadn't seen this one. No. 
So nothing too big, but it kind of, you know, we were talking about is, you know, Adam Sandler like a nice guy or can he appear as a bit of a douche kind of thing? Like this to me, it was like, this isn't painting you in a great light for me, Mr. Sandler, because he's talking about how he loved Jim Carrey in Sonic. And he's like, oh, that was the last film I saw in the cinema. And, you know, credit to Jim Carrey. I love that guy. You know, he had me cracking up during that film. But what he actually did was he felt he was so funny and loved him so much in that role that he rung him up to compliment him and tell him how much he was enjoying his performance. While at the cinema, uh, uh, he was in the cinema, called Jim Carrey while watching the film to be like, hey, Jim, I, I love your performance in this. And I'm just getting this, this image of a bunch of other people in the cinema like, who's that yeah. guy? Anyone who uses their phone during the film is a bag of dicks. So- <laughs> Sandler, you're a bag of dicks. Exactly. I was just like, that's not cool, man. That's Fantastic. Cool. I found a new reason to hate the guy. <laughs> Do you guys remember the Simpsons episode with Sideshow Bob when he's watching, uh, where the Simpsons are in the cinema and he's there and he's like smoking and laughing? <laughs> Conan O'Brien's been doing a lot of like video conference interviews uh during lockdown and he did one with adam sandler and uh his daughter adam's daughter came on and was talking about how he got in trouble with the neighbor because she came too close to it but he did like you know his adam sandler rage face screaming like at her and and he sort of he had to explain it off but i was like oh he does that in real life like yeah, I don't know. I I have to watch the whole video, but it, yeah, talking about like, is he a nice guy? Because he was like being all pally, and then his daughter kind of dobbed him in yeah. <laughs> to play it off. So yeah, I think watch that clip and see see what you think. So uh, we'll pick up where we we left off yesterday, which was uh, 2005. So. Take us back in time, Shelley. Okay, uh, so yeah, in 2005 he made The Longest Yard, and then in 2006 he did Click. Uh, 2007, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. And then in 2008 he wrote, I think directed as well, and uh, acted in You Don't Mess With The Zohan, which was probably his most Sandler-esque film from uh, that point. And then uh, he did some work uh, with Disney, like you were talking about yesterday, with Bedtime Stories, which is, yeah, a kid's film, which I've seen. I I enjoyed it for what it was. You know, it is a kid's film and it's very imagination landy. Yeah, so, yeah, I enjoyed that one. Uh, 2009, well, he produced uh, Paul Blart Mall Cop, so he's still continuing to back that are very Sandler-esque. And then in 2010, he uh, wrote and was in Grown Ups, which I assigned David to talk about. Yes. So, yeah, Grown Ups was an interesting one because, I, again, I had seen it before, similar to First, Fifty First Dates and uh, Big Daddy. Uh, yeah. I had seen parts of the sequel, um, so I felt that it was necessary to sort of watch that fully through just to get a bit more of an idea of why did you feel the need to do a sequel. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> How much do they work together as as a as a duo film? I don't. I still don't have an answer to that, unfortunately. But yeah, it, it was certainly an interesting experience, especially because we were talking so much about him as a personality um, before, and it does very much come across as these films in which he hangs around with Kevin James and Chris Rock, and he's like, "Hey, let's just make a movie about our friendship and our relationship, yeah. and just talk about random things that are happening in our lives." Like 
how I don't like that my kid does this or my kid does that, that kind of thing. It's like an attempted character piece, maybe. Yeah. Than, yeah, it's, it's very much one of his films where not a lot happens. Originally, when I saw the first Grown Ups, I give it a bit more credit because I was like, oh, you know, it is a nice story about, you know, telling this group of friends and, you know, they, they want to honor their coach. And, you know, I like the idea of, you know, he wanted to try and get his kids to appreciate, you know, being outdoors and, you know, not living such a lavish lifestyle kind of thing. But again, watching it, back again years later you just realize that it still just has very hammy dialogue um it's very forced jokes and it's kind of just goes from just one gag to another there's never anything that sort of ties it all together they're like hey wouldn't it be funny if the dog barked in a weird way and it's like well why and they're just like because you know because later we can use it when they're trying to sleep and it's, it's that kind of stuff which is weird and and that's what makes me feel The Grown Ups 2 is very much kind of like a sketch film. I felt that it's not really a, an actual story. It's, again, just going from gag to gag to, to yeah. scenario to scenario. They're just like, hey, wouldn't it be funny if uh, David Spade rolled down the road in a tyre? What does that have to do with the story? It's, it's more like jackass. <laughs> yeah, it's like nothing to do with it. But there are some really weird things in Grown Ups 2, which I'll get to. But basically, story-wise, Grown Ups, like I said, you, you see them at the start, they're uh, also teenagers who are on a basketball team, they win that game and so other team is a bit you know, sort of losers. Uh, the coach that uh, supported them is really proud of them and they go away to this sort of summer retreat. Then we find ourselves years later when they've also grown up, they have kids, they have families and all of the, the kids learn that their coach has sadly passed away and um, you know he he was a big part of their lives and obviously they continue to be a big part of uh, his life as well because he wants them at the funeral and he wants Adam Sandler's character to actually speak at the funeral. So They were the only uh, championship team he ever had. Like they won the championship. Yeah. Uh, and he never achieved that again with any other team. So they were yeah. like his uh, protégés. Exactly. Yeah. And, and part of me was just like, did he never have a family? Did he have any children who'd speak for him? No, apparently Adam Sandler is the person who will do that. And Rob Schneider. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who sings, um, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, you get an idea then when they meet up at the funeral, there's this kind of, you know, we've not seen each other in years. How have we moved on? Uh, there's a bit of the whole group dynamic of, you know, Adam Sandler's a bit ashamed of having a nanny and you set up some of those jokes. Kevin James rolls up in this, like, Cadillac with, without a roof and he's sort of showing off that, you know, he's quite a big businessman, etc. You you meet a lot of the kids. Without a roof. <laughs> <laughs> Soft top. <laughs> the peak of living a lavish lifestyle. You got a car without a roof. Roof. <laughs> Even if you saw it off, it means you're in a good place. Car without a roof. <laughs> yeah, you, you see as well, like, you know, the Adam Sandler's kids are sort of like always on video games and they're very spoilt and, you know, he, he doesn't like that. His friends start to pick up on it. Uh, you see, like I said, Rob Schneider's character, who's this kind of hippie guy, and he's with like an older woman. And you get uh, Chris Rock, who's kind of like a stay-at-home dad, and he gets a lot of flack off his mother-in-law and his wife, etc. Mm. And then uh, you get David Spade, who's kind of like David Spade in every film. He's this womanizer who, you know, is single and kind of lives a, a different life to, to the rest of the rest of his friends uh so they all go to the funeral they all go to the summer retreat they went to years ago as a sort of rite of passage 
and to, to finish off laying the coach to rest so they saw like spread his ashes at this like island in the middle of the lake and you get somewhat of drama happen with you know adam sandler's wife who's played by Selma hayek which we mentioned yesterday is very much punching above <laughs> sandler's weight very much and uh here she's like a fashion person he's a talent agent they live in la and she is meant to be going to a show in milan uh but they sort of delay the trip so that they can go to this summer retreat and the longer they stay there then the more the friends sort of convince them to to stay longer and she wants to stay longer because she likes you know being outdoors and seeing her family enjoying themselves and sandler wants to stay out there so that his kids can learn to skim rocks and jump in in the creek and all that kind of stuff Um, yeah it's like the the families clash at first because obviously the kids have such different upbringings where mm -hmm. the are successful or not so successful but then it's like yeah Chris Rock's kids kind of teach Adam Sandler's kids it's fun to be off your devices and just go and like build a den in the woods and stuff um so I think yeah this one did have that you know that touch of heart that we were talking about rather than vapid but that's only what makes it okay in my eyes like it's not yeah, from everything I remember of the film, which is incredibly little, it just it just felt like a nothing film. Mm. Um, like I, I just remember the the ending being abrupt because it was a case of the dads take on like another group of dads in a basketball game, and then just after that game, it's just nothing. <laughs> like that's your big finale. What the hell? I will give it to them in that finale, though. They they do have the the typical sort of touching moment, and and after watching these two films, I have now classed it as the Sandler piano guitar because I think it is the exact same score that they use in every moment in which a child or Sandler's like, you know what, I really love you. And then this like, dum, 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 and the, 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 the moment, <laughs> the acoustic guitar starts playing. I'm like, this is the exact same song that was in the other films. I think um, you're right, actually. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I need to look up the soundtracks and see if they actually just vary it. If it's different composers who are just doing the same thing, I, I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I, yeah, I will give it to them. In, at, the mo- at the end of the film, I do like how Sandler sort of sees the rival family and the, the wife is sort of angry and he can see how the, the opposite to hit father to him is sort of held this grudge all his life. And you know, he sort of gives them the win so that they have that big cel- celebratory moment as they did years and years ago. And he says, you know, I wanted to give that to him because you could see that the wife was then happy with it husband you know they didn't feel like they were failures they could have that on them so even though they're rubbing it in and be like oh you know you suck and all that they're just doing it because they're helping them and you know i thought that was a nice touch again and then they throw a javelin in the air (laughs) yeah and then everyone has to run and oh it's funny because uh chris rock's mum falls down and puts her face into a cake and it's like Uh, it's it's all that kind of comedy that really brings it down because like you said shelly it's that is the great part of it is that they have some form of heart and they have these friendships yeah. which somewhat work but then they do silly things like david spade falling into a you know face first into a cow pack and and you know it's, it's i think i think if he stopped trying to force the jokes he could he could write a nice film <laughs> yeah you know what i mean like even though not much happens he does he knows characters and he knows like how 
men interact with each other especially like male friendships i think he writes them really well yeah but he always does force the jokes and we can't stop him so i don't know what to do (laughs) yeah they very much come across as things that might happen on set and they're like oh wouldn't it be funny if we did this and then it's as if they watch in the edit room and go that's really bad that's really stupid let's keep it like you said the elements where it does work is you know if they have like little jokes about Kevin James' weight, that can be kind of funny because he's poking fun at himself. It's not poking fun at other people. So when he gets out of the pool and it just collapses, you know, that's somewhat, you know, somewhat f- funny physical humor. And, yeah, because we're laughing with him. Yeah. Yeah. The jet ski is trying to move and he's just there, not moving at all. Like that that kind of stuff is is, is funny. And I, I will say the one joke that did really make me laugh in this, there wasn't many that actually made me laugh, but the one I do love is, uh, is helped by the fact that Steve Buscemi uh, when he's in that cast. So Steve Buscemi has like a bag of accident at the water park they all yeah. go to and uh, ends up in a cast, which means that his arms are held up upright all the time. Um, and that means that when they challenge them to this basketball game, um, <laughs> everyone goes, woo! And Steve Buscemi's there like, yeah! And everyone's with him with their hands up and it just looks like really funny. But then after everyone stops, he, he kind of just feels alone then because he's still got his arms up. That, that was the one joke I will give credit Steve to. Buscemi's uh, misfortune. <laughs> yeah. It was more just the image of all of them, you know, in sync with him as if he was the one who triggered it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they stop, you, you realise. Like, uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the only other major thing I'll say about the first grown-ups is that I think this carries on into the second one as well, is that they really are bad parents as well. Like I, that's kind of what makes it harder to enjoy. Sometimes you're like, I don't enjoy you watching you just be a bad parent. Like, <laughs> what did you I, expect? <laughs> Sandra has some nice moments with the cute little kid when you know they they take care of the bird and all that kind of stuff. But then you also get Selma Hayek, which just shows no remorse for you know telling their child that the tooth fairy doesn't exist because she's she's so busy as this you know fashionista. She's like. She's like, mom, my tooth came out, my tooth came out. And you have the typical, like, you know, I haven't got time for this. I'm on the phone, I'm on the phone. She's like, I'll put the dollar under your pillow later. And, you know, the child's devastated. And you could, you see that in other films, but it's just the fact that after that, the next scene you see is Selma Hayek sat in bed like, I can't believe I did that. I'm so upset. She was like, oh, I'm so glad you got to speak to her. I'm like, here's an idea. What about a scene in which you speak to your child and you don't just talk to her through a cup phone in another, in another room because you don't look like you want to speak to your child at all. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Very bad parenting. Yeah. And it carries on into the second film, um, which like I said is, I won't go into the exact story of this because there isn't one. (laughs) I said to you guys that I watched this entire film and I was like, where is the story? Because it very much is, like I said, just a sequence of skits and gags. Improv film almost. Yeah. Did you watch the entire thing, Shell? Have you seen all the yeah, groups? I think I've seen it uh, a couple years ago, but not recently all the way through, no. Yeah. Have you seen it, Craig? Why the hell would I touch that film? <laughs> it's understandable. There's so many weird things in this film and so many different appearances. Like the cast list is huge. And that's. It, it, it plays up more. It starts, this film starts with this stag running around their house. And again, it's just like, where's the story? Oh, wouldn't it be funny if there's a stag running around in the house and it pees on Adam Sandler's face. And, and that's where the, the second film falls into a lot of these traps of just, 
hey, wouldn't it be funny to make fun of Mexicans and, you know, like say, oh, my, you know, Mexican wife. And hey, wouldn't it be funny to yeah. talk about butch women and how they clearly are lesbians? Or, oh, is it a man? We're not sure. <laughs> yeah, it's very, he, he punches down with a lot of his comedy and I don't like that. Mm. No. Do you think it comes down to, again, that to me in these films, it makes it very clear his target audience, people that would be like, oh, that's funny, you know, Mexicans, oh, you know, I, I find women who look like men funny, you know, do you think? Maybe, but I feel like he has such, you know, he's like one of the highest paid actors and he's one of the most prolific producers, as we've seen just how many films he's been involved with. I feel like at this point, it's pretty irresponsible to be putting that kind of humor just splashing it everywhere because I, I feel like the people who would laugh at that it will just reinforce their prejudices almost you know yeah i mean he's republican he doesn't give a damn about that kind of thing right <laughs> we're getting back into u.s politics again yay <laughs> <laughs> no yeah i guess that's something that i've started to really see as a trend is racial humor and yeah just poking fun at people in in a sort of negative light and yeah but that, that's the weird thing in grown-ups too is that again they don't feel that you know they need to carry on the story i don't think they even say where rob schneider's gone there's uh, i was like where's rob schneider's character gone i was like okay he didn't come back for the next one they'll probably just say it off with a, a throwaway line i couldn't find i didn't hear anything in it there's okay. nothing in that film to suggest where he's gone <laughs> okay <laughs> um but the weird thing is just how first film or something does he yeah maybe that javelin did just skewer him <laughs> yeah, craig's not going to complain about a lack of rob, rob schneider <laughs> yeah it's just the fact that there's so many weird character uh, celebrities who turn up in this like shaquille o'neal is in this and mm. plays uh, a police officer and we talked um before about peter dante who's in like 51st states big daddy etc he's this weird cop who's says a lot of inappropriate things and right, yeah the film feels the need to again do this stereotype of like oh let's have a bunch of women ogling like you know the fitness instructor but then let's have on the other side a bunch of men ogling the russian ballet instructor you know and it's it's that kind of cliche humor which you know again could be funny if the women were sort of judging the men if it wasn't written by a 45 year old man <laughs> yeah. like be above maybe just a little bit more sophisticated and... yeah it feels almost as if he wants to to mimic bridesmaids and bad neighbors the sort with the frat humor and the sort of you know mother together mm. humor but it just comes across as you know just bad and Especially when, uh, let me get John Lovitz, who's like quite a well-known American comedian. Uh, yeah, yeah, John Lovitz. He turns up, and I don't know why he would want to play this role. If somebody pitched him this role and he went, that sounds like a good idea to my career, I have no idea why he would think this. Because he just plays this creepy janitor guy who comes into the women's exercise class and starts instructing them to turn around and start slapping their ass and like so he down and show their boobs and i'm like this isn't a good joke and this is really really creepy so john lovitz is in little nicky the one uh where he's like the son of satan oh yeah 
he's in the first scene as like a peeping tom he's sat in a tree and uh this woman's undressing and then her son comes into the room so he rings the house and and talks to the son he's like hey why don't you leave your mama alone and then like obviously he falls out of the tree dies and goes to hell and that's how the film starts but like yeah he he, he seems to uh play those parts for sandler i don't know they must yeah it's <laughs> like, a hell of a thing to be typecast as <laughs> the perv. Yeah. That's the I, thing. He he plays a perv in Friends as well. When he's guest stars in Friends, goes on a date with Rachel. Anyway, oh thinking. oh yeah, I know who you're talking about. Such fat hands, that guy. <laughs> yeah. I suppose I was thinking more of him in like Rat Race, where he's more of a family man. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, you've got. Shaquille O'Neal, who is actually quite funny at parts, but it just shows up as where they want to do this weird skit humor in which they're like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if Kevin James and his wife went to the car wash and the Lonely Island washed their car for some reason as, you know, to the to a sexy soundtrack, you know, in skimpy outfits. Yeah. And, and they use that moment to then cut to Shaquille O'Neal getting washed down by a bunch of people. And it's like, you never established he was there. He's a police officer. Why is he there? It's again, just comes across as like, oh, wouldn't this be funny? Yeah, it's a sketch. Yeah. I was going to say, I can answer. I can answer for you why the Lonely Island are in it. Why is that? Uh, because uh, Andy Samberg and Adam Sandler are really good friends. Because of, I guess, because of Saturday Night Live, they're both. They were both cast members, not at the same time, obviously. But yeah, but also there's um also I remember a story that uh, Adam Sandler was saying about when he was getting ready for his wedding. He invited yeah Andy San Andy Sandberg invited Adam Sandler such like the names as well to like the sort of pre-wedding ceremony thing, like the rehearsal dinner or whatnot. And because they did a film together, that's my boy. Yeah. Uh, he came. Uh, Adam Sandler came as dressed as his character and was just basically going around going around acting as his character but also just being really nice with all of he was nice to uh andy sandberg's like relatives and friends but, but it's obnoxious to come as your character yeah he did apparently come in and go ah oh, there's my boy limelight has to be on him doesn't it even at yeah <laughs> something i do want to bring up from this film which did make it go up in my estimations which i find bizarre and that is that i think that their objective was this was to make Grown Ups, the sort of prequel film, and Grown Ups 2 be the Avengers Endgame of Adam Sandler's universe. <laughs> <laughs> I say this because if you watch that end scene, basically they have a big party for the families and everybody in the neighborhood comes and it's this big 80s theme and all the weird little tidbits that have been teased throughout the film, like somebody who works for Selma Hayek has you know a crush on Adam Sandler and for some reason and possibly... Chris Rock's uh, daughter might get with his enemy's uh, son, who is a weird play on the Urkel character from that old American yeah. TV show. And basically it just turns into an, a, a giant wall when the frat boys turn up to get revenge on them, trash in their frat house. And it just literally is just like Avengers Endgame. It's just the frat boys on one side of the hill, all this Adam Sandler cliche characters you know your kevin james you know all his his friends they're on the one side and then they just run towards each other in avengers endgame style you see them all they're like ah, with their like their baseball bats and their different weapons of choice and there's just a giant battle in on this this garden 
which is just flipping back and forth between the different characters doing weird things like Shaquille O'Neal throwing away. Like um, Ready Player One as well. Just yeah. favorite or least favorite Adam Sandler characters. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so weird, but did make me kind of... There's so many crotch kicks in it. It's unreal. And yeah, it it's that's just basically the end of the film. And it's it's just bizarre. And... I feel that's the only reason they wanted to make this film. Kind of maybe as if they were trying to do an Anchorman, you know, the Battle of the Stations kind yeah. of uh, kind of idea. So it's really weird. They they just wrap up all the tiny threads of storylines that they have. Like uh, Selma Hayek wanted a baby, so then just at the end, he's like, "Oh, I hope my next baby isn't like this." Despite the fact that he hasn't wanted one throughout the entire film. But again, that's this film. It just wraps things up really simply and to be the change in his character <laughs> yeah exactly and very strange film um not good for anything the character development script all the gags are pretty much terrible as apart from the shaquille o'neal stuff um <laughs> and you also have this terrible terrible running joke of the boop started i don't know if you remember this shell uh this is where kevin james has invented something which is a boop a burp that turns to a sneeze that turns to a fart. Oh, yes, yeah. And uh, he just keeps doing this throughout the film. At one point, he realises his child is a child prodigy who can play Mozart on the piano, at which point he then feels he needs to burp start to celebrate it afterwards and say, I'm also a prodigy because I invented burp starting. <sighs> and then the film ends with, like I said, Adam Sandler talking to Sam Hayek's pregnant belly and then they're going to get jiggy in bed, at which point... He also does a burp start and is very happy that he has learned how to do this incredible skill and the film ends. Hey. <laughs> ends on a fart joke coupled with a burp and sneeze joke. It's pure Sandler. So, Shelley was saying yesterday that this film got nominated for a load of Razzies but didn't win a single one because Battlefield Earth won them all. Uh, I researched this and that was actually factually incorrect on a severe level. (laughs) What actually happened was that uh, this film got nominated for 12 Razzie Awards and won 10 of them. Oh. (laughs) Impressive considering that the year that it it was happening, there were only 10 categories. (laughs) It won every single Razzie it could that physical year. Let's read them out, shall we? It won Worst Picture, Worst Actor, Worst Actress. Both of them were Sandler. (laughs) Worst Supporting Actor, Al Pacino, with a second nomination for for Nick Patterson. In this film. (laughs) Uh, Worst Supporting actress who wasn't a woman wasn't a woman either it was David Spade in drag right (laughs) so Katie Holmes got beaten by David Spade who's in the film for like 10 minutes I might add but nice to know that you know like Adam uh, like Adam Sandler has made a film so sexist that women can't even get the recognition for it being bad Um, it won worst screen couple for any coupling it won Worst Prequel, Remake, Ripoff, or Sequel because it was a remake of Glenn or Glenda. Worst Director for Dennis Duggan, who was also nominated for Just Go With It. Yeah. Worst Screenplay uh, for, Ad- 
by Adam Sandler, Steve Corrin, and a story by Ben Zook. And worst screen, a screen ensemble for all of them. <laughs> so, yeah, not a, not a great start. Made worse by the fact that when I finally started watching this film, uh, do you know how long it took for me to get irritated with this film to the point that I actually scream shut up? Yes, guys. How long did it take me? How long? How long? 55 seconds. <laughs> Are you joking? That's actually what I've got written down, 55 seconds. Oh, wow. Honest to God, 55 seconds. God. <laughs> Yeah, because the film starts with, like, they're interviewing a bunch of twins, and it starts with these this pair of, like, relatively decent-looking girl, like, bl- long blonde hair. But, like, all they were doing was just, like, yeah, and just one of them would be telling a story about the other, and together they would just go, and... So it's like, yeah, so uh, she was the younger... She was the younger because... Uh, uh, she was the younger sister because she was born with an umbilical cord around her nose. And... I just that over and over again, and I'm just like, it got to like the third and, and I screamed, "Shut up!" <laughs> then it just, it just, it just got worse, just got worse from there. I, I just gonna, I'm just gonna say this. I'm gonna say this away from the microphone, so hopefully this isn't wild. But this film was awful. <laughs> I think, yeah, this film is dead. Like the thing is. I'd say this film is the worst film I've ever seen. It technically isn't, because the worst film I've ever seen isn't technically a film. It's a bloody sketch movie, Movie 43. But in terms of what qualifies as being a like a narrative-driven film, this probably is it. Probably is the worst film I've ever seen. Because, Jesus Christ, what do I have to say about this thing? Um, oh yeah, so... Um, got to the point where, like... Just all the characters are just doing from time to time are just making pointless noises out of nowhere. They've got like a, there's also like a like a, 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 a parrot parakeet sort of bird thing that yeah. just screams in Sandler's voice every now and then. Things like "Where are we?" and "I want a man." I'm just like, God, why? Basic premise for those of you uh, fortunate to know uh, or fortunate to not know what this film is about. Adam Sandler plays a pair of twins, one called Jack and one called Jill. So yes, he does play, he does dress as a woman in drag. The idea being that like Jill basically just wants to have like a good relationship with her brother and and Jack basically hates it to the point that uh, they're having Thanksgiving dinner. Like she comes o- she comes over and like, they also have a homeless guy there because they're basically trying to, you know, big up white privilege. Yay. Um, and to the point that she's like whispering like, oh, I think you should have like a toilet seat under him so he doesn't wreck the chairs. But does it quite loudly so everyone can hear. And just like pointless arguments about that. And just, and like the basic, and then uh, Adam Sandler's character works for like an advertising company and they're at the risk of losing the biggest, the biggest market, uh, uh, like client, which is Dunkin' Donuts. So you have Power Rangers with Krispy Kreme. You've got this film with Dunkin' Donuts. Apparently, <laughs> just the donut industry is trying to wreck Hollywood. Um, <laughs> and basically, the way that they're going to save this contract is that they desperately want Al Pacino to star in a commercial for them because they want to launch the Dunkachino. So Al Pacino, Dunkachino, and basically Jack ends up using the fact that Al Pacino wants to bone Jill as the basis of trying to like. <laughs> get this contract to the point that Al Pacino even says get me the girl and I'll do your commercial so I'm just like thanks Al that's 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 great to know that you're encouraging the prostitution of of siblings within the advertising for a Dunkin Donuts commercial right like 
like I, I swear to God, like I, I swear that Indian dowries are like you know better quality than that. Um, <laughs> also, they've adopted this Indian kid who just sellotapes things to each other, and he gets to the point he's sellotaping animals. So at one point, he's like skateboarding past, and there's like a guinea pig on his back, which is horrifying to look at. At one point, he goes into a restaurant, he sellotapes a lobster onto his back, which is terrifying. Um, also, and yet again, more. <laughs> More anti-Semitic jokes, but they're veiled as just, oh, we're going to make an anti-Semitic comment and then have the Jewish characters call it out. And the joke is just, everything is anti-Semitic. I'm just like, stop relying on that. Mm. Stop making so many damn religious jokes. And Adam Sandler, like, learn how to frown. (laughs) I see one more shot of you as either Jack or Jill or Jack pretending to be Jill, like, where your mouth is is not closed as in see what i'm doing now guys which is the kind of i'm smiling yeah according to sandler that's smiling that's frowning (laughs) (laughs) the distinction apparently is just the eyebrows not the damn mouth (laughs) he's just wiggling his eyebrows up and down this film gave me a nervous twitch genuinely gave me a nervous twitch jill is needlessly a freak for no reason like they they gave her a scene where she's eating a load of mexican food because she basically starts developing feelings uh for the uh mexican landscaper apparently they spend one day together and then at the end of the film they decide that they love each other whoa spoilers come on don't care if anyone genuinely wants to see this film and cares about spoilers i worry for their sanity (laughs) yet again this was another this was another excuse for adam sander to go on holiday because they end up on a cruise ship al pacino i i think he genuinely lost my respect um (laughs) Like he's doing, he's doing weird things, and just the commercial. They actually does a commercial for Dunkin' Donuts at the end, yeah. which is him doing a rap about his career. Oh god! He does loads of he does loads of references to his old films, mm. but they're donut puns. So it's like, say hello to my little blend, and he opens up his jacket, <laughs> and is he's wearing a waistcoat which has loads of donuts on it. <laughs> And then and the thing is, the joke apparently is that Al Pacino is ashamed of this because he watches this commercial and just says, burn every copy you can find. I'm just like, no, no, no. You don't, <laughs> you don't get to get off with this. Like, you've also apparently been playing Shakespeare plays with Bruce Jenner. Um, at the, to clarify, Bruce Jenner is in the film. Obviously, now Caitlyn Jenner. Um, I'm doing something that Adam Sandler has failed to ever be, which is be respectful. Um, yeah. And like he's doing Shakespeare plays and he's having a go at like audiences for like, you know, having their phones ringing. But then he also openly answers a call to Sander and he just talks on stage in front of an audience about how he wants to bone this guy's sister because she's from the Bronx. It just sticks to the fact that like Sandler wants to get with these high profile actresses. So he's like, yeah, I'm married to Salma Hayek and yeah, I can uh, pull Drew Barrymore. So then he's like, how can I up this? It's like, I know, I'll, uh, I'll pull them. Um, have no, some me. Oh, as a woman, I'll get Al Pacino. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the the fact that Al Pacino did this film, he's kind of playing himself in the film <laughs> properly. Like, it's kind of shameless. Yeah. In this film, I will. Uh, Shaq is also in this film, David. Yeah, he does. He has a cameo. He's doing. A com- <laughs> he's doing a commercial where he's where he's eating a ham still in the wrapper. He's like licking this like giant ham, and he's there like, mm, mm, mm. 
<laughs> just, oh my god. Yeah, there's so the many. There's the shame is one joke made me laugh. Go on. One moment out of out of nowhere made me laugh, and I'm ashamed of myself for it. At one point, because basically Jill signs up to a dating site, and because she's desperately lonely, and they encourage her to do it, uh, she gets like no hits because. I don't know anyone who genuinely finds Adam Sandler attractive, so I don't know who the hell would find Adam Sandler as a woman attractive. <laughs> so what he does is he t- basically takes the advert and goes to Craigslist. So my name is now associated with the film. Great. <laughs> and he posts an advert, basically. And he... Oh, and there's a really disgusting part where, like, he basically doesn't want to lie, so he thinks of what he can describe Jill as, and it gets to the point of hot. And it shows a scene then of her getting out of bed, and just it's just a stain mark, which is the shape of a person. Wet stain. Yeah. Wet yeah. <laughs> which does never dry, apparently, because Al Pacino is in there, like, the next day, after, or, like, at night when she's not been laying in bed for hours, yeah, it's, and it's like, still there. The sweat, like, where she just lays in the same position every night. Yeah. And he's there, like, sniffing it and just like, oh, God. Like, I can feel your scent. And I'm just like, oh, my God. But, yeah, so he posts this ad on Craigslist, basically saying, basically trying to attract all manner of weirdos just to get rid of her. And his, his adopted son sees him. He basically keeps calling him out and says, you do, you've just, you've done a bad thing. And then, so then Jill basically sets up a date and she's like, oh, I wonder what I'm going to wear. And what, I, I wonder what I'm going to wear. So her and, and Katie Holmes' character go off to... And like the kid's just staring down Jack and he goes to the kid, what do you think Aunt Jill's going to wear on a date? And the kid just goes in this really creepy deadpan child actor voice. What are you going to wear, daddy? In hell. <laughs> what? Just makes no me sense. off guard. And I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so you laughed. I, I laughed just because of that delivery. But like... <laughs> I think that's the only way that this film could make me laugh is just, just take me off guard with something so stupid. But I, 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 gen- I genuinely hated this film. Um, the scene that I was referring to when I sent you that video of please don't do it, please don't do it, is that toilet attendant who helps Jack to make himself up to look like Jill. Yeah. He comes out of like the, to- uh, the toilets on the cruise ship. This toilet attendant sees what he's done, goes up to him and adjusts his breasts... We like goes up, adjusts the breast, and just goes. And then he sees Jill later in the film, and does the same to her, thinking it's still Jack. So I was like, "Oh, don't you you do it!" (laughs) So he does that, and she punches him through a door. I I actually, uh, I had a couple of friends uh, message me because they heard what I was doing, and they were just like, "Are you, are you mad?" (laughs) Um, Still, some of them were just like, "But do let me know what you thought of it." So I messaged back to one friend because they asked what was my opinion. And these are my exact words. It's the film equivalent of nuclear fallout radiation. I've been exposed to the initial explosion, but it's the residual effects that's killing me the most. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, and also, David, uh, final, final thing I'll say, and then I'll collapse. Um, David Spade is in this film, but not as you characterize him as the usual womanizer. Okay. Because he's in drag. He's a manizer. Oh. <laughs> yeah. He basically, apparently they, uh, apparently in high school, she was called the cheese board because she was passed around to everyone. 
And there's just this weird scene where like she walks up to, to Katie Holmes's character and says, Are you are you Jack's wife? Yeah, hi, uh, I'm nice to meet you, and being all nice. And then she, and then David Spade's character is just like, Well, looks like looks like you're the downgrade because I dumped him in high school. Yeah, I dumped him, I dumped him. And just basically Jill then defends her, basically, you know, it's saying usual things. And then a fight's about to kick off, and he's just like, oh, it's on. Wait, this is on. And then just starts beating up Katie Holmes. <laughs> this film literally has David Spade beating up Katie Holmes. Wow. And she's there like, I didn't... I, I liked you! One franchise that he's worked on, uh, 2012 to current Hotel Transylvania, um have been enjoyable like kids family films i know they've been quite popular uh he didn't write the first one but he he was brought on to write the second one which uh, didn't do as well funnily enough um <laughs> it it seems like his writing amazing <laughs> so yeah he did a bunch of films i've never heard of Paul Blood. Oh, he did Pixels in 2015, which, you know what? Let's not go there. I genuinely thought that was going to be a film you gave me for this. <laughs> well, he didn't write it, so yeah. Hotel Transylvania 2. He he wrote The Ridiculous Six, which was panned. He wrote Sandy Wexler and was in that. And then in 2018 he did his fourth collaboration with netflix called the week of uh which i'm just going to use to kind of reinforce everything we've been saying <laughs> so yeah 2018 comedy film so listen to this co-stars so adam sandler chris rock rachel dratch who i love snl fame steve buscemi allison strong noah robbins and basically the premise is their children are getting married so adam sandler is the father of the bride chris rock is the father of the groom uh chris rock is like a top-notch surgeon so he's really well off and adam sandler is uh oh god i can't even remember what he is but he's uh poorer uh, but he's insisting on paying for everything and that's like the only premise so it's the week of the wedding so lots of family members are arriving and uh, adam sandler's uncle arrives and he's missing both of his legs due to diabetes so he has to kind of carry him home from the airport and honestly the rest of the film is just incessant diabetes gags or lack of legs gags like really ableist crap it was only a matter of time yeah until the point that he actually passes away at the bachelor party after having convinced everyone that he was a world war ii vet because apparently he's embarrassed of diabetes uh, but after he dies he says yes he had diabetes he also ruins the because he's hired out the executive suite for chris rock at the local ho hotel he goes over there and realizes that it's like a bit shabby shabby chic uh so he tries to zhuzh it up and like ruins the room and ruins the hotel um which is also where the wedding was meant to be held the day of the wedding arrives and despite every everything the ceremony goes off without 
a hitch during the reception kirby which is chris rock confronts kenny adam sandler over his behavior and helps him realize that he did it all out of a need to do one more thing for his daughter i don't know what that means and i didn't get that sense from the film (laughs) unfortunately they have this talk uh, while being held up during a dance for a long time and one of the carriers collapses spilling water which hits the electronics starting a fire so the wedding reception is ruined uh feeling awful uh he admits why he did the things he did to sarah who is his daughter and they held held the rest of the reception at the uh house of the uh the cheapskate guy adam sandler and they agree that the rich guy should pay for the first big family vacation and that's it and i just want to say like he's got so many comedy greats who should be really funny in it but the writing is just really really poor uh it's again it's a character piece not much happens but i didn't really fall in love with any of the characters either like i wouldn't have cared if the wedding was ruined or not you know things like that um i just think his writing has really gone downhill yeah it just seems like he uh he's a, a name that you know will bring in a lot of money from his fan base at this point and it it, it almost came across as really lazy yeah it sounds like a really again like a non-movie it just doesn't sound like there's much plot or no, but unfortunately there wasn't that much there was basically no laughs as well unless you're you know really into laughing at disabled people and mm. You know that it's that kind of thing and like feeling rubbish because you're poor it's obviously something that adam sandler knows nothing about so why he decided to write about actually it's actually surprising to hear that he wrote something which didn't try to be extravagant given Mm. the criticism that we've lobbied against him quite a lot yeah it's it the thing seems to be he's a decent comedy actor when other people write and direct for him and you know the acting's the only thing he's doing in the film as recently uh, shown by uncut gems you know that's gotten really good reviews and he's just acting in that so it seems like he can rise to the occasion i just wish he would stop writing <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you know yeah would you guys agree <laughs> with just- that just yeah. four pound a month could help stop Adam Sandler being near a computer. <laughs> As an overall recommendation, stick to early Sandler career for the comedy. And if you want a good film in late career, make sure he hasn't written it. We've talked about his legacy and you know how many films he has created and the stereotypical things he does all the famous friends that he brings into his films and the weird choices he makes so we go to our section the movie vault mm. and yeah i this might be the most interesting and dubious <laughs> of movie vault uh, we've ever done and, and this is coming from three people who were who reviewed bad rom-coms as well so what what do you guys think in in terms of that I'm just looking at the entire list because obviously it's huge. 
he's relentless filmmaker. Shall I just say it? I don't think there's anything for this episode that we can legitimately put in. No, I'd agree. It's whether you go down the road of what we did in the rom-com episode, which is, no. is it so bad you need to see it kind no. of thing? No. <laughs> fair, fair. No. Yeah. I'd say from Grown Ups and Grown Ups 2, I wouldn't want to recommend them because they're just no films. They're just non-existent. And the week of, I will have forgotten by tomorrow. <laughs> Fittingly, the movie vault will be in lockdown this week. <laughs> hey! Uh, yeah, so going into the movie vault this week is nothing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, time to make you two pay uh, with the end game. To sum up, uh, our journey into the shambolic career of Adam Sandler. I thought that the one thing that we could do to be completely fitting uh, is to look at literally anybody else rather than Sandler. Because I'm sick of talking about him now. He is dead to me. So this game is uh, who's talking like that. Basically, I've got you a couple of different clips from films. They are not Adam Sandler. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. Some of them are going to be easy to note actors, but hard films. Some of them, I have done weird and wonderful things to the clips. So I'm looking for three things to get you points. Okay. Okay. So you can score anywhere between zero to three for this round. I want the actor. Yeah. I want what film it is. And for the third bonus point, why I chose that clip. So this one doesn't have a defined answer. It's just a case of if I like the answer you've given, if I think it's funny or if I think it's close to the truth, I will give you a bonus point. Okay. Do we do it in the, the private message to you again? Yeah. Okay. So, so uh, film and why you chose it. Yeah. So there are five clips and a reminder that these clips will determine who wins the overall endgame. Because obviously we had, in last time's endgame, uh, Shelley came out in the lead with five points to four, but it's not technically the winner of the endgame yet. No. Okay. So, five clips. Ready? No. Clip number one is a short one. You like that again? Yes, please. Yes. I hope they burn in hell. They deserve to die, and I hope they burn in hell. Yeah. So the actor, the film, and why I would have chosen it. So both of you <laughs> have said that the actor is Samuel L. Jackson. For that, you are. Hey. Hey. David has claimed that this is Snakes on a Plane. Shelley claimed this is Pulp Fiction. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you are both. <laughs> the actual film is A Time to Kill. I, I thought, uh, this is going back to yesterday. Don't you I've dare said... say, oh, I thought it might be that. No, I, I, but I couldn't remember the name of that film. It's, it's the film where he's on trial and everything. So I was like, oh, yes. what is the name of it? So you just put snakes on a plane in a very defeatist <laughs> attitude. Yeah, I was just like, it's another angry Jackson performance. So. Okay, so let's go to the reasons. <laughs> so Shelley has said, because they do deserve to burn in hell. Uh, distressed face. And David put, you felt like you were on a plane of snakes watching Jack and Jill. <laughs> 
David's because David's quote is referring to the wrong film. I'm gonna say that's <laughs> <laughs> with Shelley's. When you say they do, who's they? The person that he's referring to in the film. I haven't seen it, so I don't know. Okay. For the sake of fairness, I'm also going to say that's... <laughs> I would have accepted because the writers and producers of Jack and Jill deserve to die and I hope they burn in hell. <laughs> right, okay. So the so... reasoning might be to do with Adam Sandler. That's, that is a possibility, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Clip number two. What will the future scholars see when they study us? A portrait of women today? There you are, ladies. The perfect likeness of a Wellesley graduate, magna cum laude, doing exactly what she was trained to do. Slide. A Rhodes Scholar. I wonder if she recites Chaucer while she presses her husband's shirt's slide. <laughs> now you physics majors can calculate the mass and volume of every meatloaf you make. Slide. A girdle to set you free. What does that mean? Oh my god. Um... So for the listeners at home, how are you? How are you coping in these turbulent times? Me? I'm clearly not doing very well. I just wanted to take this time to chat to you guys, given that I think this is going to be a long one. Okay. <laughs> David has gone for Jodie Foster in Basic Instinct on the basis that she goes on a rant and so do you. That is all... Uh. <laughs> All of it. I think Shelley has gone for Bryce Dallas Howard in Ex Machina because comedy is sexist. <laughs> Bryce Dallas Howard is Ex Machina is that reasoning. Yay! So the actual it was actually Julia Roberts from Mona Lisa Smile. She's going on a very feminist rant, and yeah. I wanted to bring something feminist to the table after so much bad Adam Sandler sexism. So, That's yep, I'm giving Shelley the point yeah. for that. <laughs> that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I cured the like rat, the rant stuff. I was like, I was like, what would this link female <laughs> stuff? Yeah. But yeah, it makes sense. It was it was bad because I saw the scene from Mona Lisa Smile. Thought this was really good. Looked it up, and it got mixed to negative reviews. I was like, oh, uh. well, this is disappointing. Okay, now we enter a weird and wonderful world. Are we ready for clip number three? No one would have believed in the early years of the 21st century that our world was being watched by intelligences greater than our own. But as men busied themselves about their various concerns, they observed and studied. The way a man with a microscope might scrutinize the creatures that swarm and multiply in a drop of water. <laughs> We're talking about South Park. I think that's Cartman, is it? <laughs> it does sound a lot like South Park. Okay, this is fascinating because there's so many elements of both of your answers which are right and wrong. Okay. So, 
David has gone for Leonard Nimoy from Star Trek because it's an intelligent film, something which Sandler films aren't. <laughs> Shelley has gone for Morgan Freeman in The Shawshank Redemption because Sandler thinks he is God. <laughs> so I'll tell you that the actor is Morgan Freeman, so Shelley is... Uh, I think I... Yeah, that's... It's a random film. Right, the David keeps saying, oh, I think I know what it is. Would you like to tell me what you think no, it no, is? No, no, I, I just... I know what the line of thought Shelley was going on, so now I've heard that, I'm like, yeah, that, that is Morgan Freeman. So. Okay. <laughs> but is it the Shawshank Redemption? No, it's actually War of the Worlds. Narration uh, from War of the Worlds. Yes. The reason I chose it was because of the idea of uh, dignity, but I think that's close to intelligence. So, David, for putting an intelligent film, something which Sandler films aren't, I'll give you a point. So, for that, you both gain a point. (laughs) It did seem familiar, but it could also be the relevance of, you know, like the the flu goes around in that film. So. No one would have believed in the early years of the 21st century that our world was being watched by intelligences greater than our own. That as men busied themselves about their various concerns, they observed and studied the way a man with a microscope might scrutinize the creatures that swarm and multiply in a drop of water. Isn't that just so nice? That's why I knew it wasn't. So nice. I knew it wasn't Star Trek because it says, you know, they've been watching us. I was like, well, that's not going to happen in a Star Trek film. But I was like, I can't think what it is. Well, just, just, just think of something. Yeah. I did. I knew Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> no, you didn't. You said that's not the right answer. But I'll still put it. <laughs> okay. So we're coming on to clip number four. Uh, I will say that there are two actors in this okay so there are actually four points up for grabs for this so if you only get one of the actors i'm happy to give you a point if you get both i'll obviously give you two okay so this is me being slightly nice but giving you really really difficult ones because hope you're ready to go backwards What has this podcast come to that I'm just listening to the tone of voice of somebody backwards and I'm like, who is that? What language are they speaking? Who, how can I tell what film this is from Gobbledygook? That's how I felt watching Jack and Jill! <laughs> That's the answer, Shelley. Quickly, type it in. No, that isn't, that isn't the answer. Look at them squirm. This is beautiful. <laughs> Can we have, like, a clue as to one of the actors, maybe? I'll tell you one of the actors, then. Okay. Ben Stiller. <laughs> oh, no. 
So Shelley has gone for Woody Harrelson from No Idea because I'm confused. Lamau. Um, ah, that well-known film. I have no idea. <laughs> David has gone for something a bit more concrete and therefore probably correct. He's gone for Robert De Niro from Meet the Parents. Oh, yeah. It's Robert De Niro from Meet the Parents. Uh, the logic that David has gone for is that it's an example of a family comedy well done. That's not the, that's not the reason I chose it. My reasoning was uh, Robert De Niro still has my respect as opposed to Al Pacino, one of his general co-stars, who no longer does. That's what I was thinking. I was like, is Al Pacino in Meet the Parents? I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, so... With that, David has uh, David has gained two points. Now this is interesting because there's only one clip left. Oh, and oh yeah. With that, and with that, the scores are now even. <laughs> Always the same. Always the same. <laughs> so, I've given you a high pitched clip. I've given you a backwards clip. How could I make this more difficult? <laughs> I know. High pitched backwards clip. Oh Jesus! Are you ready? No. <laughs> yes, you are. Here you go. I'm confident. Oh. But Greg's laughing at me, so maybe not. Yeah. That was bizarre. Oh no, I'm just laughing at how much David was tormented by that. <laughs> that is going to haunt my dreams. That's nightmare fuel. I just I... love the fact that he goes French at the end. He just goes, enough! <laughs> So both of you have gone in the right uh, I say the right direction you've gone in the same direction you both say it's Andy Serkis from Lord of the Rings yeah I got it I was just like, at first I thought it was like Disney or something but... oh <laughs> no I'm just gonna play for you who it actually was because you are not gonna believe it are you ready oh dear here we go In view, a humble vaudevillian veteran, cast vicariously as both victim and villain by the vicissitudes of fate. This visage, no mere veneer of vanity, is a vestige of the vox populi, now vacant, vanished. However, this valorous visitation of a bygone vexation stands vivified and has vowed to vanquish these venal and virulent vermin vanguarding vice and vouchsafing the violently vicious and voracious violation of volition. The only verdict is vengeance, a vendetta held as a votive not in vain, for the value and veracity of such shall one day vindicate the vigilant and the virtuous.
It was Hugo Weaving from V for Vendetta. Close for a good actor, but... <laughs> Weird that we both went Andy Serkis at the end. Yeah, it's almost as if somebody intended that to happen. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to lie, when I first made it, I knew that's what the answer you would give it. But basically, this comes down to the reasoning for the clips. Oh. Shelley's logic is that the film is an example of double acting done correctly. So I thought it was the scene uh, where Gollum and Smeagol is like talking to himself, and I thought it was yeah. Jack and Jill. You know, I completely get that. The logic that David has gone for is because Adam Sandler must be destroyed like the One Ring. Again, because because <laughs> I thought it was the scene where he like falls into Mount Doom, and I thought that's why all the music was like because I thought it was like the destruction of the ring. Okay. So basically, this comes down to whether or not Hugo Weaving plays more than one role within the film. Oh, wait a minute. He does. Shelley, uh. congratulations. <laughs> you are the winner of the endgame for the Adam Sandler uh, saga. <laughs> I couldn't go with David because he specified the one ring, which is obviously not in the film uh. letter. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Yeah, so Hugo Weaving plays both V and and the character uh, of like a, a reporter that's basically uh, gone missing. Right. Granted, that is being that played reason? by V as well, but it's a different performance. Therefore, I'm willing to accept this double acting. And he is kind of the two personas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cool. So congratulations, Shelley. Yay! Well done, Shelley. I'll happily take that to somebody who went on an Adam Sandler marathon one main game for an Adam Sandler-based quiz or anti-Adam Sandler by then. Well, if you think about it, you both scored four points today while Shelley scored five yesterday and you scored four yesterday. Yeah. So it makes sense. You know, I'm going to admit I got help on one of my answers yesterday from someone who couldn't shut their mouth in the background. <laughs> so... I'm willing to concede a draw, but I'll also take the win. <laughs> anyway, for me. Uh, uh, yeah, well, thank you, Shelley. Uh, once again, uh, where can we find you? Knitwear Cat Hair on Instagram. Lots of travelling pictures and things like that. Well, especially once lockdown is over. It's more just interior pictures at the minute. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Check it out. Uh, and Craig, how are you feeling after... <laughs> Well, I mean, neither of you got the real reason I chose the V for Vendetta clip, which is I'm full of vengeance and I'm coming for both of you. So. <laughs> yeah, if you see a V mask outside your window shell, people bit. Ban away quickly. <laughs> uh, well, yes, thank you for all of this fun content, guys, and uh, thank you for everyone at home for joining us. Uh, we'll be back very soon with another fun film challenge from more of our friends that have joined us in the past and there will be appearing on some other shows as well so check that out Shelley it's going to be lots of fun yeah. a lot of hate coming from Craig in our episode but a lot of love coming in, in another episode hopefully as well though I think Craig might be throwing me some hate despite <laughs> despite us talking about positive things he doesn't look happy <laughs> so yeah you can catch us as usual on Fresh Take Hub for our parent website as freshtakehub.com as well as our Instagram, Twitter and Facebook and you can also catch us at Well Good Movies on Facebook and Instagram so please do give us a like follow us rate us where you can review us it all does help especially during lockdown 
And yeah, thank you guys. It's been loads of fun and it's uh, helped us keep us entertained during lockdown as well as the people at home. I'm sure they're going to be inspired to go watch Jack and Jill and Grown Ups too. <laughs> and, uh, no. <laughs> no. Yeah, just go check out the ones from the first part. And maybe just the end sequence of Grown Ups 2 just to see that uh, end in comparison. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know you guys will be, surely. Of course. Uh, so yeah, thank you guys and uh, yeah, we'll catch you soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye. I forgot to mention earlier, by the way, I was reminded when uh, Shelley was talking about the story of the week of, I never mentioned the importance of why Kevin James having a roofless car was important. <laughs> oh, well, we'll never know now. <laughs>